I want to get one thing straight here. Or I'm walking too. I don't work on January the 8th. Because that's Elvis' birthday. What you are about to hear is a labor of love. Our love is for the music, and the music is for the people. We at Rockstrex10 and cnjradio.com have always recommended that any music we promote on our shows be legally purchased, downloaded, and or streamed. We feel this way not only for our network of shows, but for all music-based shows. By supporting the artist in this way, more music can be created and the industry as a whole can prosper. The music is owned by their respective labels, or hopefully by the artists themselves. This broadcast is owned by cnjradio.com. Our only mission is to promote the music we love and promote the legal purchase of it. Enjoy the show and turn it up. Welcome to Rock Welcome to Rock Strikes 10, the show guaranteed to always give you 10 songs, no more, no less. My name is Joey. I want to thank everybody for tuning into the show here today, especially if you're doing it at the central station of cnjradio.com. Okay, welcome back. We're counting them down, the top 83 albums from the year 1983, a very stellar year for music, one of the best, honestly. So let's get back into it. Coming in at number 70 is the debut solo album by an already vetted lady at this point in the business, having been in The Runaways, so she definitely went through the ringer prior to starting her own solo career. Talking about Lita Ford, definitely one of the top pinups of the 80s, and that's not just my opinion, that's a lot of people's opinions. But that all being said, she rips, man. Great guitar player, she's got some cool records out there. So her debut solo album here, Out for Blood, it's it's showing signs of promise. It's not quite there yet, but there was enough songs on there I liked to where it did pretty well here on the countdown. By the way, do you own this album physically? Which version do you have? Do you have the uncensored cover or do you have the tamed down cover? I actually have a vinyl copy of the uncensored one myself, so I brought that up to brag a little bit. Let me know if you have it or not. Till then, check it out. We're kicking off the show with the title track here. From this album called Out for Blood. Take it away, Lita.
Kicking off the show here today and coming in at number 70 on the top 83 albums of 1983 countdown here. That was Lita Ford with her debut solo album, Out for Blood. And that was the title track from that record. I did fail to mention this album was released in May of 1983 and co-produced by Neil Merriweather and Artie Rip, who I looked him up because I hadn't heard of either guy, but I do appreciate the fact Artie Rip has production credits for Sha Na Na back in the day. So love that. And yeah, that was a fun opening track right there. One of the better songs off of Lita's first record, Showing Promise. The albums, I can tell you, will definitely get better. And we go from Lita Ford to XTC coming in here at number 69, because that's how we roll in Rock Strikes 10. No rules. It is musical anarchy here in podcast form. So yes, XTC, it's their sixth studio album here, got released at the end of August in 1983 co-produced by the band Steve Nye and Bob Sargent. The album is called Mummer, not to be confused with R.E.M.'s Murmur, which I believe did come out in 83, but that did not make my list. And I'm a pretty big XTC guy. This doesn't have any of my like all-time favorite songs by him on here, but that doesn't mean it's a bad record. It's just one that I hadn't spent a whole lot of time with, but it did pretty well. I don't believe I gave it the fan pass because... There's always quality writing to be had on an XTC record. The music's always good. So yeah, I can't really get all that deep with it, but I like the record pretty well. So there you have it. Let's play one of the highlights on the record, and honestly, the song that I had the most nostalgia for on it. Fun, upbeat track. It almost kind of sticks out a little bit, like it almost doesn't belong, but it's a cool song. It's called Funk Papa Roll.
Coming in at number 69 right there, that was XTC from their album Mummer. That was Funk Pop Roll. Hope you enjoyed that. I like me some XTC. And getting over here to number 68, just may be the only album on this countdown produced by super producer and definitely a slick as hell producer, David Foster. This album came out in April of 1983. was the sixth album by The Tubes. And David definitely has a reputation of being a hit maker, and he definitely helped them out in giving them their biggest song ever in She's a Beauty, which is the kickoff track on this album. I like She's a Beauty quite a bit, and this album is actually pretty damn good. It's not just a one-song record, and there's still a decent amount of showing if you're into their early stuff like I am. There's stuff that you definitely will dig on this record as well, so it's not just a David Foster slick fest like what he did with Chicago at this time. That all being said, the interesting thing is when I listened to this album, and I hadn't heard the album in a long time, I was not aware, honestly, that David Foster had produced this album. I knew he had co-written She's a Beauty with the band. I also found out just through this listen that Steve Lukather of Toto also co-wrote that song. That means he probably played on it as well, if I had to guess. I haven't looked that up yet. But I remember this song that I'm about to play for you. I was like, man, this song sounds like it's from Alice Cooper's From the Inside. It really gave me a lot of vibe of the song Serious, which I love. So non-coincidentally, it turns out the reason why I think that is because David Foster also produced that song in 1978. So there you have it. It's not a coincidence. It's just a fact that it sounds like that because of David producing it. So there you have it. So let's get to the song, Why Don't We? The third track on this album here, Outside Inside, By the Tubes. My favorite song currently on this album, and I don't see that changing. This one's called Out of the Business.
right. One of the great success stories of the 80s and proof that definitely in the 80s there was life as a songwriter, not just a rock star. Fee Wable, leader of the Tubes right there. Even though the Tubes would break up a few years after this, at least uh, was done with having successful records, Fee wound up writing a handful of hits that I might talk about here in the future. Maybe not, but... Uh, let's just say he wrote songs for Richard Marks. He was good buddies with Richard. And I know that with Richard, he co-wrote the Vixen song, Edge of a Broken Heart. So, V. Wable, I'm a fan of that guy. And clearly he can write successful music. Even though you wouldn't know that early on in the career of the Tubes because they were like a freak art rock band. But I do love those records, but I never would have guessed if I'd have followed his career if I was a little bit older. I would have never guessed that guy would have wound up being a decent hit maker. So there you have it. That was Out of the Business from the Outside Inside record by The Tubes, their most successful album for sure. So go check it out and check out that early Tube stuff. I'd recommend. You'll hear those at some point getting through that 70s timeline that I'm also currently working on. So this next entry right here. Oh man, where to begin? So... I've played a handful of bands already on this countdown and in the odds and ends. There's a lot of bands that are only known for one song. This band is definitely for real only known for one song. So this band is called Was Not Was. Yes, that Was Not Was. The guys that did Walk the Dinosaur. Even if you bought and heard that album back in the day, the album with Walk the Dinosaur on, you would understand pretty quickly that they are not just one thing. They are like this art rock collective of producers and session musicians who basically just make albums that they think are interesting and are there to literally almost kind of challenge the listener, I feel. Never heard this confirmed, but if you listen to any of their records, like, man, these guys are schizo as all get out. And clearly they have a lot of different types of influences and likes. So I approached this record being like, well, at least this probably won't be boring. And I was right. There is so much to get into about this record. It's one of those things you probably should just go look up the credits. It'll tell you right off the bat just how interesting this album is. By the way, the album is called Born to Laugh at Tornadoes. It was their second album, if I have it right. And I could go on about the handful of lead singers that are on here. People all the way back from like Mitch Ryder you know, from the 60s and the, the Detroit Wheels and all that. And speaking of the 60s, I know that Wayne Kramer of the MC5 has a credit on this album. Again, to guys like Marshall Crenshaw and Doug Figer, lead singer of The Knack, sings lead on a couple of tracks. If you ever, ever dived into Ozzy's Prince of Darkness box set, why did I just mention Ozzy's Prince of Darkness box set seemingly out of nowhere? Well, it's because one of the songs on this album is on that box set. Ozzy did a track on this album called Shake Your Head, Let's Go to Bed. And there's a weird history even just with that song. Apparently they tried to get a burgeoning Madonna to do co-lead vocals with Ozzy on this track. At one point, I guess Kim Basinger had sang on it, and that's apparently who's credited on the Ozzy box set version. Uh, it doesn't really confirm that Kim Basinger is on that track on this record, 
And then the album even closes with this crazy by the numbers torch song by Mel Torme, which actually talks about strangling a guy nearly to death in Central Park. This album is neat, interesting, and definitely never boring. But I got to think that a good amount of the people that are listening to this show, you're probably a decent enough Kiss fan. I have one of the ultimate Kiss nerd facts that I've never heard anybody talk about. That's not to say that anybody has ever picked up on this, but I've never heard anybody say this. So I'm going to take a little bit of credit for finding this out because it literally came from the album credits. As far as I know, this is the only album that has lead guitar credits by both Bob Kulick and Vinnie Vincent on it. It is possible, maybe, that there is a Kiss album that Bob and Vinnie have played on. But I don't think there's ever been a single song that they are both on and both played lead guitar on. Except for this song right here. So, from the album Born to Laugh at Tornadoes by Was Not Was, here is the Doug Figer-led Smile. Enjoy this little piece of nerdy music history, why don't you?
Now, I do apologize a little bit because I probably got you worked up for this like crazy dual shred fest between Bob Kulik and Vinnie Vincent. And that's not what you really should expect from a song that Doug Figer sings lead on because it definitely sounds more like a little early 80s synthy knack esque song. But yeah, it's still a thing that happened. The credits are on there on the record. Go look them up. That was Smile by Was Not Was officially featuring Doug Figer, Benny Vincent, Bob Kulik, and a handful of other guys. Don Was being one of the brain children of the Was Not Was project. Don's got Grammys sticking out of his asshole. And, of course, has been a longtime producer for the Rolling Stones up until now. But if you're looking for interesting, non-boring type records that jump from genre to genre, then check out some Was Not Was stuff. Might be a little surprised by it. And let's say hypothetically, even if you didn't like that song, which is a nice little ditty in my opinion, even if you didn't like that song, now you got this kiss nerd fact to throw down on people with that little nugget of knowledge. So I would say it's time well spent. All right, moving on here. We come to our next entry here on the countdown with a decently perennial favorite of Rock Strikes 10, a guy that I will always make a point to go see live if it makes sense. Always puts on a good show, and that is Rick Springfield, who is still riding decently high here in 1983. He's on his seventh album at this point called Living in Oz, which at the time I thought it was a Wizard of Oz reference, but it turns out he's actually talking about Australia because he is from Australia. But yes, this album here, Living in Oz, officially came out in March of 1983, produced by Bill Drescher. And it's got a couple of really perfect singles on here as well. And the album cuts were pretty good. So that's why it ranks decently higher on the countdown. Affair of the Heart is a very catchy song. But for me, this was my first favorite song by Rick. And probably still my number one favorite song by him ever. So I gotta play it here on the countdown. So to represent Living in Oz, this is Rick Springfield with the album version. The best version. The definitive version of Human Touch. Enjoy.
Coming in at number 66 here on the top 83 albums countdown of the year 1983. That was Rick Springfield 
from the Living in Oz record and the song Human Touch, my favorite Rick Springfield song. There's some good ones in my all-time top five, but that should say a lot, that being my favorite. And coming at number 65 here, one of my favorite artists of all time, who you already heard via the odds and ends. And not only did he have a live album out, which was a soundtrack to a concert film in 1983, but he also put out a symphony orchestra record, also in 1983, and also managed to put out a quote-unquote conventional album, a hybrid original material studio and live album in 1983. It's never easy with this guy. But the late, great Frank Zappa and his 36th official album called The Man from Utopia came out late March. And this one in the grand scheme of things from a fan standpoint and from a critically expert standpoint, whatever you want to call it, it's not a very heralded album, but it's definitely of its time. Some people won't dig the lyrical content. Some won't care. Some people just don't even like it when he does like funny bits. So there's all that. But of course, there's always great musicianship to be had. So most Zappa records are worth your time if you're a fan of the composition that is music and the art side of things. But also, next level hard rock fans should definitely take note that this is one of the albums that Steve Vai plays lead guitar on. So definitely gives way to a lot of great quote-unquote stunt guitar work, as they labeled him as the stunt guitar player. And I've always really enjoyed this track. Believe it or not, I'm actually going to play one of the instrumentals off of the album. It's mostly a vocal album, but on the main album, the closing instrumental has always been one of my favorite Zappa songs ever. And it's got a bunch of tasty licks by Steve in there. So here's my favorite song from The Man from Utopia to represent the album right here. This is Frank Zappa with We Are Not Alone.
One of my all-time guys right there, Frank Zappa, coming in at number 65 with his album, The Man from Utopia. Even if you are not a big Zappa person, I'm sure some people that listen to the show aren't, but that was probably another reason why I played an instrumental, just because if you appreciate the composition and arrangement of music in any possible way, and being a listener of the show, I figured you might. I, I, I hate to insist on an opinion like this, but you do have to appreciate that kind of musical arrangement. And people toss the term genius at him, and I people do tend to use the term very flippantly and very loose, but Zappa was an absolute true genius. Okay, getting on to number 64 here, we move from an album that most people didn't buy to an album that most people in the world in 1983 definitely bought. It feels like that. Although I guess if you break down the entire world population, it's still a decent percentage, but it's probably not like as big as I think it is. If you lived through this record, it was freaking everywhere. It was all over radio. It was all over any video channel or show, which includes MTV and all the other kind of shows, Radio 1990 and all that kind of stuff. It was everywhere. And on multiple formats, man, I mean, I got to respect that kind of game. If you can be on the pop charts and the R&B charts and the country charts with the same record, I mean, dude, that is absolutely massive. Crossover is everything. If you want to be that next level guy and Lionel Richie was a next level guy for sure. My fucking mom even owns this record right here that comes in at number 64. And I should tell you a lot. My mom's not a consumer of music so much. Uh, I've, I've often joked with my friends and close relatives that my mom is not a fan of music. But even she owns this record. So there you have it. Lionel Richie, Can't Slow Down. Uh, people do compare this album to Thriller and do a lot of verses mode on it. I I actually like this album better than Thriller, to be quite honest with you. There's a lot of tie-ins, too, to the record. But let's get down to it. Lionel Richie, Can't Slow Down, came out in October of 83, co-produced by Lionel and James Anthony Carmichael. I'll throw down some fun facts for you, because if you live through this album, you know it almost top to bottom, probably by memory. Much like Thriller, as a lot of critics would say, and I would say the same thing, there's about two or three weak filler-type songs This is another one of those albums where most of the album is a released single, so you know most of it. As far as all the singles go, I've never been a big Penny Lover guy. I think it's too schmaltzy. I don't really like the schmaltzy stuff all that much. And yeah, people could probably say that Hello is schmaltzy, but Hello is a damn classic. But yeah, I'm definitely on the Can't Slow Down is Better Than Thriller camp. Uh, Also, the great Steve Lukather of Toto plays guitar on both records, and he's going to be playing some ripping lead guitar on this song I'm going to play for you. So there's your hint, if you know anything about this record. Digging into the credits on here, I I was actually like, I learned this this week for the first time. And I knew this guy had paid his dues as a session background singer. But just the fact that Richard Marks sings a lot of background vocals on this album and on this song that I'm about to play for you as well. Richard, of course, is going to have a huge career by the end of the decade, and he is the all-time champion of social media. Follow him if you do not. Uh, But yeah, there's not much else to really talk up uh, about a record that has sold millions upon millions of copies and 
is still selling to this day. Lionel's still touring. Good for him, man. I've never seen him. I'd go see him. I mean, why not? Of course, he's going to play some Commodore stuff, too. I'm going to love that. And I would hope that he would bust out this one right here. If he didn't, then he would just be wrong. I, I have some friends out there that have seen him. You heard this one live? Let me know. So let's get into it. My absolute all-time, all-time favorite song from Can't Slow Down by Lionel Richie. This is, of course, Running With The Night. Of the city streets 
number 64 on this countdown belongs to Lionel Richie along with the night and that was of course running with the night great rockin song right there honestly a good rockin song of course it's got all the different kind of flavors that we love about Lionel so yeah there you have it I'm if you didn't know that I do like can't slow down obviously I'm not in love with the record coming in at number 64 but it definitely deserves the respect and when I was listening to this, breaking it down song by song, it was just like, well, it's going to be on the countdown. There you have it. Okay, moving on here, number 63, a band that I'm definitely a fan of, and an unlikely 80s success story, because here's the deal. In the mid-70s, you know, early to mid-70s, it already gone through the 50s revival, you know, with uh, Greece and American Graffiti and all that kind of stuff. So by the early 80s, you would think that would be old, old hat, but the Stray Cats having a career in the early 80s, I love that kind of stuff. I love musical anomalies. I love things that probably aren't supposed to happen. There's no plans for this kind of stuff. Stray Cats is being legit fans of the earliest rock and roll. Gene and Eddie and The King and all that stuff. Bill Haley, of course. All the great quality rockabilly that we got and then some. The absolute DNA of the Stray Cats is all that great classic 50s rock and roll. And even getting into the stuff like in the pre-British Invasion stuff, Bobby Fuller and all that. Anyway, anyway, moving on. So the Stray Cats having success in the early 80s. And they get to their third album and they did not choke. A lot of bands kind of start to decline, I feel like. Bands that had real early success. But ran and rave with the Stray Cats. If like a hardcore fan of the Stray Cats, it's like, that's their best record. I don't think I could argue. It's really, really good. One of the best compliments I could give to the Stray Cats for sure is that I mentioned all those bands. If you'd have told me that half of this album is like obscure covers of a lot of those bands, I would have believed you because their, their sound has always been that authentic. Uh, this entire album is all originals, which even something like I Won't Stand In Your Way, that sounds like a song that should have already been a hit. So that's uh, the best compliment I could give this whole record. I'm talking this one up so much, I'm like, how is it not higher? But wait to see. I think maybe with Lionel Richie, we jumped uh, to the next level here. But yes, Random Rave of the Stray Cats, a full album worth your time. And it includes one of my all-time favorite, probably my personal favorite Stray Cat song. I'd say top three Stray Cat songs. There's always been something about this song for me. I don't know. But... I played it really early on. I want to say I played it actually on episode three because I did uh, best trios of all time. So I've definitely played this song back on episode three. And I'm playing it here on episode number 580. So we're overdue for a respin of this one right here. So enjoy. This is the Stray Cats with Look at That Cadillac. <laughs>
Cats hitting it hard there at number 63 with their album Rant and Rave with the Stray Cats. That was, look at that, Cadillac. And I failed to mention this, but speaking of someone who appreciates great, classic, quality rock and roll, that album was produced by the great Dave Edmonds. There you have it. Coming in at number 62 here is definitely one of my favorite bands of all time. And a band that some people did give up on this band during the 80s, I guess, thinking that they were just, you know, a 70s band and there's no room for them in the 80s. But you'd be wrong because so much quality material came out from this band, the 80s, and they were definitely decently overlooked at this point in the decade. But Cheap Trick have a nice record out here in 1983 called Next Position, Please. You've at least seen the album cover. It's one of those famous Born to Run type parodies out there at the gatefold and everything. But this album came out on August 15th of 1983, produced by the great Todd Rundgren, who definitely knows a thing about producing catchy records and also taking chances when he wants to. Yeah, it's uh, I, to use a cliche, it's not in the top three Cheap Trick albums, but it's definitely not in the bottom three either. So it's an album definitely worth checking out if you never heard it. 
If you have any type of best of by this band, you've probably heard the lead-off song from it called I Can't Take It. Let's go with this one right here. This was always my favorite song off the record, actually track two on the record. And was so happy to hear this song make its way back into the set list a few years ago. I've now seen them play this live a handful of times. So whoever got this one in the set list, thank you. I definitely shake your hand for that. Maybe it was Dax Nielsen, who knows. But such a fun song. My favorite song here off of Next Position, please. This is Cheap Trick with Borderline.
there was definitely another decently catchy song in 1983 called Borderline. And unfortunately, that album did not make my countdown. But Next Position Please by Cheap Trick definitely did. So there you go. Borderline. Hope you enjoyed that. And closing off the show here tonight, coming in at number 61. This may surprise a lot of you. However, I will say it's definitely a front-loaded album. And I feel like most people do understand that. But it is a very important album. So my ranking of this, and I've said this over and over again as I've started this countdown, if you made it on the list, then you're a very good album, if not great. So let's talk about the greatness of David Bowie right here in 1983. Huge, huge commercial comeback for David in 83. You know this story if you know anything about music. What you may not know is one of the other reasons, and and of course the sexy romantic story about David taking all these chances in the late 70s with the Berlin triptych and then putting out like scary monsters right afterwards and stuff like that. The narrative is that David wanted to experiment and take chances and not be stale and all that stuff. And not that he didn't. And even then, he would still write songs that people would respond to, even at that point, having hits with Heroes and Ashes to Ashes and stuff like that. David cannot help himself. David is just great by default, almost probably when he's not trying so much. But the other reason why he experimented so hard in the late 70s because he had a bad managerial contract with somebody and he basically waited it out. So all of those experimental albums were under the thumb of this bad deal that he had. And Let's Dance was going to be the first album where he wasn't tied down to that contract. So he went into this album full bore knowing and wanting to write major major hit singles crossover hit singles and he definitely accomplished that he made all the right moves the production definitely got more slick hiring Niall Rogers of course Niall already a proven hit maker and I read some interviews with Niall and he was just like I don't understand why Bowie hired me yeah I've got hits but it didn't seem to make sense and he's like no I want to sound like your dance songs that you've done like the stuff that you've done with Sheik and Diana Ross and stuff like that those were huge songs so that was the idea this album was predetermined to be a hit is what all I'm getting at really and of course a lot of people know Stevie Ray Vaughan plays all the lead guitar on this album so that's that's a big deal for a lot of people that was his big break reason why Stevie Ray is not the guitar player on the Moon Age Daydream Let's Dance tour is because he wanted more money and he wanted to open. <laughs> so he was, he had a high opinion of himself, but uh, yeah, David was not willing to do that. David never paid more than scale, let's just be honest. But yes, as a kid growing up, definitely like as my ears are really massively opening up to music around this time, this is definitely the first time I ever heard David. So to hear stuff like Let's Dance and China Girl and Modern Love, it was like, wow, man, this guy's awesome. And that's really where it started. So this is where I came in with David. So it's obviously a personal favorite. I know a lot of people bought the record and people still buy this record. And I would love to tell you that this album's so great that even the deep tracks are great. Yeah, I just... And yeah, I didn't mention Cat People, the other single. I like Cat People. I played it on the show before. But honestly, like... The other half of the album, I just don't think that the deep cuts are that great. But with one exception, 
and I'm going to play this one for you right now. So the one deep track that I think is truly great off of Let's Dance is this one right here. So to represent that album, here is David Bowie and the song Criminal World. <laughs> Well, 
closing off the show in fine fashion there, in classic fashion. How can you go wrong with closing out a show with Mr. David Bowie right there? That was Criminal World from the massively successful Let's Dance album. And once again, that asterisk, if you even at number 61, this is uh, an ownable record. And just scrolling down here, I was actually, while the song was playing, I went through the wiki to see if I could see, if, was there actually any notes on Criminal World? And I, I actually did not know this. I will be honest when I don't know something. I could spout off trivial music facts all day for you and have. But I did not know this. Criminal World is actually a cover song. It says right here. I'm going to go through the wiki, and we know wiki is always right. Here's my disclaimer, but here it is. Criminal World was originally written and recorded by a band called Metro in 1977, but their version was actually banned by the BBC for its bisexual undertones. So Bowie said he included it on the album as a way to, quote, sneak a transgressive song onto a platinum record. Pretty neat, actually. I like that. So clearly David knew this song from back in the day and thought that this was a good song and was definitely trying to help these guys get a few bucks because their song tanked because it got banned. So that's great. David's just one of those really cool guys. You, you hear about those stories from him. He's always... He's always trying to help some of the little guys get somewhat of a break here and there. So, all right. Well, we've come to the end of this group of 10 here from the top 83 albums of 1983. I hope you're enjoying this countdown so far and maybe some of these shock entries like, wow, I didn't expect to hear Cheap Trick and David Bowie so quote-unquote low on this list. What possibly could he have ready for us here on the next batch of songs? Well, you're going to have to stay tuned to find out and I'm sure you'll be able to hear that tomorrow. But until then, stay tuned for my better half, Nola, with the plugs, followed by the best damn outro song in all the podcasting business. Take it away, Nola. We would like to thank you for taking the time to listen to the show today. You can reach us on Facebook or Twitter. We love getting messages and always do our best to respond. Every time you share our show, we give our cats Ruby and Ripley a treat. We are on Twitter at rockstrikes 10 and the direct email is rockstrikes10 at gmail.com. When you search for us, the number 10 is always spelled out. If you would like to support our show financially, we do have Rock Strikes 10 shirts for sale. For $20, we will ship you out a high-quality, soft-as-heck, next-level branded shirt and a button. Send us an email or direct message for more details or to order. Please help us spread the word about this show and all of our other quality shows by listening liking, subscribing, and sharing. Our official website is cnjradio.com. You can visit this site for all episodes of Rock Strikes 10 going all the way back to episode number one. While you're on cnjradio.com, check out some of these other quality shows. The Wrestling House Show, a pro wrestling podcast unlike any other. The Synaptic Empire Audio Transmissions, hosted by Randy Brown, a true alternative. The Last Theater, starring Chris, where cinema's trash is treated like treasure. And the I Am Vinyl podcast with Pete LaRussa and occasionally Joey. We also highly recommend that you check out our good friend Mark Striegel, who can now be heard exclusively on Sirius XM as part of Ozzy's Boneyard and Hair Nation. Last, but certainly not least, we would like to give an extra special thanks to the great Pete LaRussa and the band Spacebeard for the best outro song in the business. Go to facebook.com slash spacebeardband 
to purchase their music and make sure to tell them that Rock Strikes 10 sent ya. We hope you tune into the next show. Until then, have fun. Postgame show is brought to you by Christ, I can't find it. The hell with it.